The views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of Lexington Community Radio or its board of directors. The views expressed are solely those of the programmers. You are listening to Off the Cuff. Now, here's your host, Adam Banks. Welcome, everybody, to the 300th episode of Off the Cuff. I am your host, Adam Banks, coming at you live from Lexington, Kentucky. Thank you for listening to the show, and thank you for tuning in to WLXU 93.9 FM. In addition to listening to us on the radio, you can check out our Facebook live stream at Off the Cuff with Adam Banks, or you can download the Radio Lex app on your smartphone device to listen anywhere in the entire world. It is time for a celebration, ladies and gentlemen, because it is the 300th episode of Off the Cuff. Amber Turner is in the studio with me. Amber, how are you? I am digging the vibes you are putting out into the world right now. (laughs) I cannot believe that here we are. Six years later, Off the Cuff is celebrating episode number... 300. It's been six years since March the 1st, 2014, when Off the Cuff first hit the podcasting airwaves, Amber. 300 episodes. It doesn't seem real. I mean... At the same time, it kind of does. Like I told you last week, you know, you've put out 299 amazing episodes, so... Here's to your 300. Well, uh, thank you guys for uh, tuning in. I want to thank everybody, all the loyal podcast listeners from the beginning, from March 1st, 2014, and all of the new radio listeners. I feel like that we have so many anniversaries now. We have an anniversary of when the show started. Now we have an anniversary of, of the podcast, of, of of or the radio show, of when the radio show started. Yep. So here it is, 300 episodes. So much has happened over the last 300 episodes, Amber. I, just to give everybody a little history of Off the Cuff, if you don't know it. I started this show, Off the Cuff, on March the 1st, 2014, in my apartment, on my couch. And I had the idea to create Off the Cuff because I wanted to... I t- I've said this story before. I've I wanted to get into radio really bad. It's always been my passion. Yeah. And it's not an obsession. It's a passion. And I was looking for a job, but nobody wanted to hire me. So I was like, you know, if I'm just going to sit around and wait for somebody to give me a job, I'm going to be waiting forever. Because you can't do that. You can't sit around and wait for things to happen. You really have to go for them. You have to go out and try to get it. So I just decided to create my own podcast and come up with the concept of a kind of like a radio show, a talk radio show, called yeah. it off the cuff, and then here it is. I stay consistent at it, and then here we are on the air, six years later, 300 episodes later. So much has happened. I, I, Amber, you came on board, I think, uh, 2017. I did, 2017. You did. It was one of the best days of my life. When you came on? Yeah. Why is that? Well, because I got my, um, I got to hang out with my best friend in, just in life in general, and I got to share in his passion, and you know, I've told you this before, but you kind of awoke a passion inside of me. I never knew I had, you know, up to that point. I didn't really have, like, something that I was, uh, that I considered a hobby or that I, you know, could consider, you know, doing for the rest of my life until this great teacher, you, came along and showed me the ropes. 
I want to uh, play a clip for everyone to hear. This is a six-year-old clip. As a matter of fact, this is the very first episode of Off the Cuff. Take a listen to back in the day. Now, the audio, of course, is a little off. And the audio, it's all right. right. Yeah. Now, you talk about going back to your roots is when you listen to this audio. This is the very first episode of Off the Cuff, March 1st, 2014. Take a listen. Welcome, everybody, to Off the Cuff. I am your host, Adam Banks. This is actually our first broadcast, so thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Coming to you live from the number one podcast site in the world. That is podcastgarden.com, where you could go to www.podcastgarden.com backslash off the cuff and access all of our upcoming episodes. But here in the studio with me, I have my sidekick, Nelly, up hey, in here. Yeah, what's, up? what's up? How's it going? First broadcast is exciting. I know, it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I feel like I'm honored to be uh, a part of it. here, yes. I, I could have asked. So... Of course, the audio's a little off, but there you go. That was the very first broadcast of Off the Cuff. Some things don't change. <laughs> some, you, some things haven't changed, what, Adam. What do you mean? You are a creature of habit. Explain. Go, go I mean, guys, we all just listened to our intro. You've kept almost the same intro for, for six years. Yeah. You, it's you, just, had, you had the recipe already. Already cooking. I had the vision. I've always had a vision of how I wanted this show to go. Yeah. I mean, even then, like I, I had, I had organization. I, I just had. I always knew how I wanted it to go, but I, I, it was just a matter of expressing yourself, and it, as a, it was a matter of getting it right. You have to do things over and over and over just to get it right. Now, ladies and gentlemen, when you heard that clip, you didn't hear me introduce Amber Turner no. as my co-host because Amber, you didn't start out with me doing the show. I actually started doing this show with a, a another co-host, and only the podcast listeners are familiar with this co-host. Her name is Nellie Walker Gibson, and she did over 80-something episodes with me. And the surprise was for Nellie to come in studio and co-host <laughs> this episode with me and Amber today, but she unfortunately could not make it, so she's going to join us in the second segment where she's going to... Uh, She's going to call in, and we're going to speak to Nellie and talk to her about about what she thinks of the show, where it's at now. And I'm sure a lot of the audience wants to hear from her and see what she's been up to, because it's been a while. But, Amber, so much has happened just in the last six years, and so many big things. I remember... One of the biggest moments on this podcast was when I got Dave Buzz Baker to agree to come on and be my first guest yeah. on the show. He was my first guest that I sat down and interviewed. I was so nervous. And those of you who don't know who Dave Baker is, he is the guy who does the pregame shows for the UK basketball team. So they call him Dave Buzz Baker. So I, I think it's only fitting, since it is the 300th episode, to go back and, and kind of let you hear the clip that that changed it all. This is the clip that gave off-the-cuff credibility to where it was, okay, this isn't just a guy sitting on his couch just talking jibber-jabber. He's actually bringing on <laughs> credible people. He brought on the voice of, of the pregame show. So here is a clip of my interview with Dave Baker. And 
keep in mind when you hear this clip, Nelly is also in studio. <laughs> Nelly is with me during this interview. And the podcast was very raw back in the day. Not really as professional as what it is now. But you'll hear a lot of coughing and a lot of sneezing and a lot of Nelly being Nelly, but it just makes Nelly being Nelly. So here's the clip of, two, I think this was 2015. I think I'd been doing the podcast up to a year at this point. Uh, no, not even a year yet. This is episode 46. Episode 46 of Off the Cuff right here, me and Dave Buzz Baker. Into uh, Coach John Calipari. He took the job here in Lexington back in 2009. And ever since he came into Lexington, we as Kentucky fans and Buzz, including yourself, we've just been on this tremendous high, I guess you could say, or this unbelievable run. Um, you know, how long do you think we're going to be able to keep Coach Cal in Lexington with us? But what else is he going to do? <laughs> I mean, he's not, I mean he, he, he doesn't play golf. I mean, he likes to talk. There's not enough money in this media business for him. Right. Uh, you know, I, I've said before, the only thing that would ever get him to turn his head would be if LeBron James were to come and say, listen, I've only got so many years. I want you to help me get across the finish line. And now the way they're playing under Dave Blatt, I think that's the best news Kentucky fans could have ever gotten. But, uh, I mean, this is kind of this is the kind of job at the kind of place uh, that he's always dreamed of. And, and, I mean, seriously, I mean, you know, Cal's, you know, a couple of years old. He's 56 now, I think. So, you know, at, at his age, you, you know, do you want to be able to have the kind of impact that you do on young men and on a state and on a sport that you do here coaching 40 I'm going to stop it there, Amber. But how cool was that to have a professional like Dave Buzz Baker to come on the show? Especially because you do such a huge uh, March Madness series and you put that out into the world. So I would say that was probably a really nice moment for you. It was. To have somebody that, you know, you love basketball in general and to have someone who's the voice of pregame basketball for Kentucky, I'd say that was a huge, huge accomplishment. Yeah. I was so nervous when uh, I was so nervous when Buzz came on the show because I was afraid of what Nelly was going to say because <laughs> Nelly is not the most professional in the world and and I think this is the part where Nelly chimes in and tries to ask Buzz, Buzz a question. Listen, yeah, it's I, just amazing the day they went and washed those children's <laughs> feet. Yeah, it was, just, it was good stuff. Uh, you know, John, you, can, you, you you heard me cut her off pretty quick. She's like, the day they went to go wash those children's feet. Listen, came those children with the players, and yeah, it's I, just amazing. The day they went and washed those children's <laughs> feet. Yeah, it I was, just it was good stuff. Uh, you know, and I just cut her off. Don't uh, worry, Nelly. I know all about that life now. <laughs> yes. Also, another big moment uh, that I'll never forget, and what helped the show a lot, is when I got Brad Calipari on the show. Here's a clip from when Coach Cal's son, uh, Brad Calipari, came on the show, and he's not done many interviews in the past, so this was a big moment. You know, being the son of Coach Cal, you said you're trying to make a name of your, uh, for yourself. Uh, what are some of the things that you do uh, to kind of stand away from that? You know, of course, there's your last name. Calipari. It's it's attached to your name everywhere you go. Um, I'm sure you don't go to, up to people and you're like, hey, I'm John Calipari's son. Um, do you, does it just kind of does, does people actually know you for a while before they actually know that you're you are Coach Cal's son? Uh, a lot of people in Lexington know me as Coach Cal's son or John Calipari's son. And a lot of people's outlook on me, they think because they don't know me personally, they, they think I'm a completely different person than I really am. So some people will 
think I'm the greatest kid ever. And some people would think I'm the worst. So until they really know me, like I don't take it personally how they feel about me because they don't really truly know me. And once they personally know me, they'll have a different a different view on me. So. Well, Brad, I'll tell you this. I think if you do come to UK, and that right there, in general, it was a big moment for Off the Cuff when Brad Calipari came on the show. Again, it gave Off the Cuff some credibility, and I was so amazed as to getting these people on this little small podcast, and and now it it just it really makes you reflect on an episode like this, episode three hundred. It really makes you reflect on your artistic journey. And just looking back on it, I, I want to say that it's been so much fun. It's been a blast. Getting to sit here and do it with you two, Amber, it's also it's changed my life. Uh, bringing you on board is was maybe the best thing to happen to Off the Cuff. Uh, it, it it's not It's not a job. It's never felt like a job. It's always felt like play. And it's so funny that it feels like play because it is work. And it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of hard work. A lot of hard work goes into it. But it, it truly is one of the greatest enjoyments of my life is being able to sit down and do the show with you. Don't make me cry. <laughs> Everybody knows I'm a crier. But no, it, it's it's so much fun. And I, I, I just want to say thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening over the last six years and uh, episode 300. It's, it's a blast. And this whole hour is just going to be an hour full of celebration. And hopefully we got Nellie Walker Gibson on the phone in the second segment. So stick with us, ladies and gentlemen. We got Lots more coming up on Off the Cuff. We'll be back after these words. Welcome back, everybody, to Off the Cuff. Adam Banks here with you. Amber is also in studio with me. That song right there, Pharrell, Happy, that was the very first song that Off the Cuff debuted to. I remember, and I think we might have also used this song when we came on the radio for the first time. I felt like you incorporated it then. I did, but you said you hated this show. Or you said you, <laughs> you said you hated this song, so you didn't want it included. I don't think I said I don't want it included. It's not my favorite. Come on now. <laughs> but here it is. Here it is. It sounds a lot better than it does that it did as a podcast. You know what? It sounded just it sounded amazing then, sounds amazing now. Well Nelly is trying to call into the studio. She's texting me telling me she can't get through. It's the craziest thing ever. Like I, I don't know how you're not able to get through Nelly when I'm giving you the number to the studio. She says it keeps giving her a busy signal. I know everybody's trying to congratulate me on <laughs> on uh, episode 300, but stop calling and try to get, let Nelly in. Uh, spring is poking its head out, Amber. Have you noticed that? I know. It's pretty day. It is. It's very pretty. It is really pretty day. It's, you, you can tell that the time is starting to change. I noticed that, like, on Sunday. I noticed that I looked outside and it was like 6.15 and I was like, hey, it's not pitch black dark. Thank God, because these, the weather is so cold, and I hate when the weather is so cold, because you can't even go outside and walk to your car without shivering or or, or your body hurting. And all of these homeless people uh, passing away because of the weather, and and you know that's what it has to be contributed to is oh, yeah. not just hunger and, and, and a low immune system. It's probably the weather that's killing these homeless people in, in Lexington. Oh, yeah. And I just don't think that anyone, I don't think any human being should ever have to know what it feels like to sleep outside. I think that's just, 
you know, there's certain things in life that we need. We know we have to eat. We know we need water. And, you know, we need adequate shelter. And to see that, you know, we've not made stride in something like that, just making sure everybody's got a place to stay, you know. There was a guy, his name was Jerry Johnson, and a lot of people don't know that name. A lot of sometimes we don't humanize homeless people, and his name is Jerry Johnson. He was 59 years old. He was found dead the other day. He was under the I 75 overpass on Winchester Road. He was found dead. A lot of people hang out there that are homeless, uh, but uh, there was not only him, but another gentleman died within the same day, within 24 hours, yeah. 48 hours. Another gentleman had died they hadn't released his name or i would tell you his name but it's contributed to this weather i mean think about it how, how horrible that is those guys died alone they did and i think um you were the only person i called the the day after mr johnson passed away but i actually encountered mr johnson yeah and um, i was taking the 75 exit on winchester road and i knew i had exactly one dollar in my purse and i was going to try to to reach it out the window which is something i don't ever do but i looked over mr johnson had a dog and it you know it tugged on my heartstrings and unfortunately i didn't get a chance because traffic was moving too fast he died uh, because of hypothermia i so, yeah. I wonder what what it what people how people end up in to that point in their life. What is it that you've done in your life to end up to a point to where you literally have nowhere to go, you have nobody to call, and you're sleeping under a bridge and you're begging for money because y- you often wonder like what are those people's lives really like like that one guy who that died that i don't even know his name because they haven't released it that one guy who died they're having a hard time tracking down his family and you know they have all the resources that they could possibly have i mean they're i'm I'm sure they're working with the police they're working with the hospital and they still can't track down his family what is it that these people are doing to get to that point is it drugs is it their family just passing away? Is it just a series of bad decisions? Is it a little bit of both? What do you think it is? I think that I think it's always going to be situational depending on the person. I mean, I'm going to say this and people would probably find it uh, offensive, but I think some people choose to to leave and not be a part of a family, whether it be because of assault that happened within the family or it could be drug use within the family. And then I think there are just those people that, unfortunately, all their family just kind of passes away. They decided to not get married. They decided to not have children. And when you know their mom, dad, brother, sister pass away, there's no one left. And then the sad side of it is, yeah, I do think that there are some people who end up homeless because of drug use and and, and alcohol use. Yeah. But do you think, though, that you would ever be in a situation, that a person could truly be in a situation where their family and their friends would let them, can you burn a person so much that your family and friends would literally let you sleep outside in, in weather like this? I would say, yeah. I really would. I would say at some point, everybody has a breaking point. Even a mom, even a dad? Um, yeah. 
I mean, at the end of the day, we're all human beings just because of the title that we have. I don't think elevates us to like another level. You know, somebody can only steal from you maybe so many times or somebody can only. Wade said on the show thread, it's mental illness. Do you contribute that to it? I I do. I think mental illness is always going to be a contributing factor to to homelessness and and even to to I'm going to say illicit drug use, you know, which can always go hand in hand with homelessness, mental illness, illicit drug use. <clears throat> it's definitely sad. It, it truly is. And if you see anybody, uh, you know, there's a difference in panhandling and there's a difference in, in uh, begging and uh, and just people who are just flat out homeless and need help. And it's hard to identify which is which. And, and you don't know. So you can't beat yourself up over that, Amber, the fact that you did come in contact with this gentleman. Uh, unfortunately, it's uh, all of these people who are homeless in weather like this. It's the odds of surviving is not good. No. And these people, it's it's sad because they are dying alone. So let me just say, if you, if anybody has any information about um, Mr. Johnson's family or anything like that, because the police is having a hard time getting in touch with them, you can call the coroner's office at 859-455-5700, and you will be able to contact the coroner's office and give information on that. Okay, it looks like that we're going to take Off the Cuff's Song of the Week break, and that's going to give me enough time to get Nelly on the phone because people are wanting Nelly, and I'm wanting Nelly, to join (laughs) us on the 300th episode. So ladies and gentlemen, kick back, relax. It is a celebration, and we're going to keep the celebration going with a little Post Malone congratulations. We'll be back after the song. And that was Post Malone with congratulations. It's a congratulatory moment here today (laughs) on Off the Cuff's 300th episode. Ladies and gentlemen, we were finally able to get Nelly connected to us via the telephone. Ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, please welcome the very first co-host of Off the Cuff, Miss Nelly Walker-Gibson. Nelly, can you believe this is episode 300? No, Adam, I sure can't. Can you, I mean, put it into words... What you're feeling at this moment, though, that Off the Cuff has actually made it to 300 episodes. Well, I'm very proud of you. I just hope I don't embarrass you today. (laughs) That's all right, Nellie. I'll do it for the both of us. Nellie, you know that it was all in good fun. And I say that you were never an embarrassment, ever. It was always always fun. It was always a blast. Nellie, do you have a favorite moment of Off the Cuff that you can think of? The favorite one was, one of my favorites was with Dave Baker. Yeah, the uh, clip that we just, that I just played. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, I've always liked him as a commentator for UK, and I'm a big UK fan, and I've always been a fan of Dave. What, so. what, yeah, and you were talking about, what were you talking about washing kids' feet? You said washing, somebody was washing kids' feet. What was you talking about? With Dave. The ball players washed little children's feet and gave them a new pair of shoes. Oh, well, and it was like, it was to symbolize when Jesus would wash the feet of his dis- of of his, of his <laughs> congregation. Yeah, or, I see what you, you know. Yeah, you were trying to get that point out to Dave. I see, I see what you're saying. Well, Nelly, some of my favorite moments with you is just the, the times that we got to do the show together, how, how much we would laugh. And if you go back and you listen to some of these previous episodes in the archives of Off the Cuff of how we 
would just crack up at some of the things that we would say and we would even lose our breath and we couldn't even finish recording because we would spend two minutes just laughing at each other. It couldn't stop. Couldn't stop. stop. (laughs) Well, Ellie, when are you going to come and be in studio with us? I mean, we miss you. There's people that ask where you're at all the time. Well, I'm hoping to come one day soon. Uh, I've had a lot of illness in my family lately and uh, have not been able to participate. And I miss it. I miss you. I miss you. I do. One of my very best friends. And uh, it's just been really hard. And I live. I don't live in Lexington anymore, so. Right. It's, it's, I, I live uh, a couple hours away, so. Well, Nelly, uh, you know that you always have an open invitation to come join us on Off the Cuff anytime you want. And I want to thank you so much for calling in, or trying to call in. <laughs> I, I, wanna say to hi to, I want to say hi to everybody that was a fan of mine, and I appreciate it. And um, I, I, I hope they... We'll listen in and keep continue listening and wish you all the best, Adam. Yeah, some of our greatest episodes, uh, some of those greatest episodes were on the podcast, Nelly. And go back and listen and go back and listen to them, folks. It's on the archives. You can listen on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, uh, wherever you can pull up uh, a podcast. You can pretty much find off the cuff. And so go back I'd and like you can. To... You go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say I'd like to say hi to Amber and wish her all the best as well. Nellie, I had some huge shoes to fill, and I don't think I'll ever be able to fill them. So I want to say thank you for kind of giving me a a leg up and kind of knowing exactly what I needed to do. So you were talking about your fans. Well, you're talking to probably one of your biggest fans right now. So and at least you thank got, you. At least you got your name right this time. And the last time she called you Amanda. That's all right, Nellie. <laughs> Nellie Walker Gibson can call me anything she wants. Adam is definitely going to point out everything I've ever done wrong. <laughs> Well, he's been, he's been doing me like that for years too. That's why we're that's probably why we're kindred spirits, Nelly. <laughs> Nelly, we used to argue about it over the podcast. Oh know? yeah, it, uh, half of the shows that me and Nelly did together, it was her trying to defend herself of <laughs> her treatment that she got from me. But she treated me she treated me bad too. But thank oh, you, please. thank you, Nelly, so much for for calling in and being a part of the 300th episode. I love you. Can't wait to have you in the studio soon. Love you, Nelly. I love you, too, and you guys, too, and Amber, you do a great job. Thank you, Nellie. That means a lot coming from you. Love you, Adam. Love you. See you, Nellie. That was Nellie Waka gibson ladies and gentlemen, the former co-host of Off the Cup. All right, we're going to take another commercial break. We got lots more coming at you live after these words. What's poppin'? Who you Brand new wheel, just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that like Stockton. Just joshing. I'm spending this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them toxins. Welcome back, everybody, to Off the Cuff. Adam Banks here with you. Amber is also in studio with me. This is Jack Harlow. He's an up-and-coming rapper from, from Louisville. I like what I hear. Do you know how many times I've listened to it since you told me that I should check this out? And for me to brag on somebody who is good at rapping, it takes a lot of talent for me to say you're a good rapper. Because there's a lot of people out here trying to be rappers. But Jack has it going on. Listen. Certified free, hang around us since she's learning my lingo. Back then, wasn't worried about me, though. In the gym, trying to work on my free throw. 
Spending money at the club like Sam's. Ooh, I love that. Spending money in the club like Sam's. It's a good song. Jack Carlo from Louisville. The only thing is he's a big Louisville Cardinal fan. and uh, That's all right. He only throws the L up once. It is. Amber, did you see the Ryan Newman car accident at the Daytona 500? I did. I watched it. The Daytona 500 was rescheduled, and it usually is on Sunday, but because of the rain, they rescheduled it for Monday. And the Daytona 500, it is the Super Bowl of NASCAR. It is their big race. It's considered their big, grand, prestigious NASCAR race. So to be a part of it, to be involved in it, it is a big deal. Well, the highlight of the Daytona 500 is uh, is once again a famous now famous wreck you okay <laughs> yeah my throat made a weird noise and your throat was speaking back at me <laughs> speaking back at me Ryan Newman had a car accident it was uh, a sight to see just watching the accident it was uh, what had happened was Ryan Newman drives that number six car. It's the Oscar Mayer car. I think that's what it still is. It might he might have a different sponsor now, but it's he drives the number six car. But when he, he was on the final lap and he received contact from another driver, Ryan Blaney, down the tri oval and was sent spinning into the wall. His vehicle went airborne and was hit by another driver, Corey LaJoey in the driver's side door. It was horrific to watch. It literally was one of the worst accidents I've ever seen, ever. Yeah. And he walked away from it. He's fine, Amber. Yep. Now, we know that now, but, uh, but at the time, we didn't know that he was okay. It was scary. But after watching that accident and seeing the type of accident that he was in, if he can survive a wreck like that, how come we ain't making all cars to withstand the trauma that his race car can handle? I mean, why should anyone die in a car wreck when they can make cars like Ryan Newman's? I mean, that's true. I mean, what, it was two days later he was walking out of the hospital. Well, I said I said that. I was talking about that well, with my dad. And uh, he said, well, Adam, it's not like people are taking these NASCAR precautions getting in their car and running up the road to Walmart. True. And, and that's true because uh, the what made NASCAR more safe is, of course, the Dale Earnhardt tragedy that also happened to the Daytona 500. But when that accident happened, NASCAR put in new precautions uh, to take care of uh, injury. So some of the things that NASCAR did to take safety precautions is they designed those walls to to absorb impact. They also made the seat belts uh, uh, in a way to protect head and neck injury. Yep, They made it like that. They also... Um, built a roll cage for the car, and that was built to re- to remain its integrity of the car. Yeah, that the integrity in the core of the car. Yeah, and the the suit that they put on, of course, it's fireproof. And so, yes, we're not going to put on and put a big race car suit on and jump up the road and head to the big S. We're not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to head up to the big S anytime soon. But I get what you're saying. But it's it's one of those things where. I was wondering, you know, if, if Ryan Newman can survive a car accident like that, why can't we make all cars like that? But we can't. No. But, but it was amazing. He did. He did survive uh, the accident. He he was also uh, involved in a car accident that almost killed him in 2003. He flipped his car several times on the grass before it came to a full stop. So 
Those those NASCAR wrecks are no joke. No, I think after my first one, I'd probably be like, you know what? Here's my keys. They're scary. Yeah. I wasn't watching the Daytona 500 live. I didn't see it happen live. But you know what I did see live? I did see the Dale Earnhardt crash live in 2001 when that happened. Tell me you remember Dale Earnhardt. I remember Dale Earnhardt to the point that my grandfather was so obsessed that I also watched the Daytona 500 in 2001. I don't think Dale Earnhardt gets the credit that he deserves. Dale Earnhardt was the Michael Jordan of NASCAR. He was the Babe Ruth of NASCAR. He was the Muhammad Ali of NASCAR. He... He was the Hulk Hogan of, you know, what Hulk Hogan was to wrestling, Dale Earnhardt was, was to NASCAR. What what Jordan was to basketball, yeah. Dale Earnhardt was to, to NASCAR. He was the GOAT. And I will go as far as saying this, when Dale, when Dale Earnhardt died, NASCAR died along with it. I would say a lot of the excitement that came with it, because people... I feel like in that time frame when Dale Earnhardt was getting really, you know, he was always huge, but during that time frame, it was a family event. You know, families watched it. People gathered to watch it. Like, we gathered to watch the Super Bowl, but it wasn't just one race. We gathered to watch all the races. I mean, I'll I'll go as far as saying that. I bet you that 80% of NASCAR fans were Dale Earnhardt fans. The The universal NASCAR fan, just the fan who didn't really watch every single race and just watched it every now and then, you were either a Dale Earnhardt fan or a... Jeff Gordon fan. Jeff Gordon fan. You're you're right. I mean, it was just that rival in general. Do you remember... It was amazing. Do you remember the Jeff Gordon versus Dale Earnhardt yes. rival? Number three versus number 24. You were you were either a Jeff Gordon fan or you were either a Dale Earnhardt fan. You wasn't both. Nope. You couldn't like both. Nope. You either liked one or the other. Or you could be that weirdo that liked Rusty Wallace. I liked Rusty Wallace. <laughs> But that was the rival that made NASCAR what it is. It made it fun. It made it exciting. It made it enjoyable to watch because it gave people something to kind of linger on and come back for. Well, that feud, that rival with Jeff Gordon, it helped NASCAR grow from a backwater sport into a multi-billion dollar empire. I, I can definitely see that happening. And at the height of NASCAR, at the height of NASCAR, right when that rival, that Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt rival was going on. That is right when Dale Earnhardt died. Unfortunately. Right in the middle of his peak, right in the slap dab middle of the peak of NASCAR, Dale Earnhardt died. And I say it was the peak of NASCAR, but we didn't know that at the time. NASCAR was on a climb. I mean, it was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I remember listening to this uh, in class one day. I would think I was in the seventh, eighth grade. We Some, were in, probably in the seventh, somewhere grade. around there. I remember our teacher telling us about a, a study. It was a business study about how NASCAR in the next ten years. So that would have been 2011 at that time. Uh, within the next ten years, NASCAR could be considered top one of the top three sports in America. Wow! So that means it would have either been like it would have been like baseball, football, NASCAR, then basketball. Oh wow! <laughs> I mean, but who knows? If Dale Earnhardt would have lived, Amber, because I I can't stress enough, and I can't put as I can't put enough emphasis on how popular Dale Earnhardt was to the sport of NASCAR. Oh, I, I think anybody who kind of grew up in our time frame, I think they know because I feel like we all we all had shirts. Everybody's dad watched it, and they were all over. They were in. 
the media everywhere. Like, they were the commercials. They were the ones that were getting spots, you know, during... Um, I remember they done some kind of spot during uh, one of the award shows that was catering towards the younger kids. Yeah. So they were everywhere. They were everywhere in the media. So... Yeah, he was known as the Intimidator. Just the mark he left on NASCAR was just incredible. He had 76 race wins, 428 top 10 finishes, 22 poles, and 776 races that he ran total. He was a seven-time Winston Cup Series champion. And he was tied for the most all-time uh, race wins with Richard Petty. So he was on his way of being, you know, the winningest racer in the history of the sport. And, and he had won the Daytona 500 already. He was trying to uh, snag a, a second win uh, before he died. And he was, what had happened was in the, th- so what happened, it was on the final lap. And he was uh, in third place, and he was, uh, I think in front of him was his son and somebody on his racing team, Ken Schrader, I think was his name. And he was trying to let them finish in front of him. but when he So he was staying at a certain position, but this guy named Sterling Marlin, who drives the M&M car, mm-hmm. gave him a little tap, and it ended up... Um, slamming him into the wall 160 miles per hour. And he died uh, from force blunt trauma to the head. And he had a major fra- uh, skull fracture. And he died at 5.16 p.m., not too long after the impact. So, I'm sure that man has to feel terrible. What, the man who clipped him? Yeah. It's the sport. Of course he feels terrible. It's like uh, a wrestler injuring another wrestler in the ring. You're still doing your job. It's just uh, a horrible thing happened. Yeah. I mean, th- everybody has clipped everybody in those races. Earnhardt had clipped people before. Here's the thing, though. When Earnhardt died, 700 million people saw it. Imagine 700 million people seeing you die. Something that's supposed to be a very intimate moment, like a birth and a death. Those two things I don't think the whole world's supposed to see. No. And 700 million people watched his last moments. That would... I mean, I would like to think that he didn't register that in his brain, like, as he was, you know... I would like to think as soon as he made impact, that probably was the last, you know, memory or moment that he, you know, had recognition of what was going on. Because I... I don't know. That would just make me feel. That would make me feel some kind of way if I knew that people were watching this tragic event. Because I've I've built this empire for these people, and I want them to remember me as being the intimidator, being the winner, not being the man who's losing my life in front of all of you. I think people stopped watching NASCAR when he died. I know I did, and I think the casual fan definitely stopped watching NASCAR when he died because the Jeff Gordon Earnhardt rival died. Yep. Uh, everybody's universal race car driver had died so people just wasn't interested anymore so when you got somebody who has 80 percent of the nascar fans rooting for him he's no longer there in the sport you're going to lose the fan base and and nascar I, it's hanging on by a thread I, I would be surprised if nascar is around in the next five years and i think that the only reason it's really hung on this long is because he put a great he put a great NASCAR driver out into the world. He put his son out there, yeah. Dale Earnhardt Jr. Yeah. And I think that's probably one of the the reasons why it was able to maintain a fan base because people 
people wanted to watch him. They want him to succeed for his dad because they loved his dad so much. And every sport like that has a peak. In the 90s, there was no... It, I think that was the peak for NASCAR, the, oh, the yeah. 90s. I mean... But, and the race car drivers had race car driver names. You had Rusty Wallace. You had Mark Martin. Tom... Uh, not Tom Petty, but Richard Petty. <laughs> You had uh, Dale Earnhardt. Oh, you yeah. can't get no more racing than the name Dale. No. Dale is a very racing name. Dale Earnhardt. Rusty. Jeff. <laughs> Those are racing Just names. You're all, you're all American men. And now you got people um, like like then then you got people like Ryan that race. Ryan is not a racing name. Ryan Newman. I mean, obviously That's, he is. That sounds like an engineer. But we need more Rusties and Dales to race. If, if NASCAR, if NASCAR wants to be what it used to be, put more racers out there with racing names. All right, ladies and gentlemen, stick with us. We got one more break before our last segment. We'll be right back. everybody to Off the Cuff. Last segment of the hour, Adam Banks here with you. Amber is also in studio with me. This is episode 300 of Off the Cuff, a episode to be celebrated. It's been six years since the beginning of this show, and now 300 is such a big landmark. Thank you for being with us for all of these years. We really do appreciate it. Amber, I'm always going through social media looking at different things trending, what's going on in the world, what we could talk about. And I come across one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. Okay. I, I saw a Wendy's employee taking a bath uh-huh. in the sink uh-huh. in the kitchen. Um, he had a full, he had his entire body in the sink taking a bath like a little baby. <laughs> You know how they bath babies in the sink? They had a Wendy's employee in the bathroom, in the sink of their kitchen, taking a bath. Now, you know, old me would have thought that was hilarious, but new me, you know, being a public health figure and taking lots of classes in food hygiene, um, I'd take back anything I've said about Wendy's being the cleanest. You don't know what is going on behind the scenes in a restaurant. You really don't. And the reason we even knew that that, Wendy's employee got into a sink in the kitchen at Wendy's is because they posted it online. That's the only reason we know is because they let us know. They don't let us know all the time what's going on back there in those kitchens. I have to ask the question, since we're talking about celebrations, was he in his birthday suit? He was! What? (laughs) He was. Now, Wendy's has, has went ahead and made the claim that they have sanitized their entire kitchen and... Nobody Did has, Wendy herself say that? I think that the PR gods had to come down and, and revive Wendy and say, Wendy, because I don't know, is Wendy like, is she? she's living, ain't she? I think so, yeah. Yeah, Wendy herself probably had to go do some PR damage I would say Wendy that. herself went in there with some bleach. <laughs> but it's disgusting. Oh, man. And, you know, I love that we live in a day and age that social media is as... Uh, well, I guess let me not say I love. I love and hate that we live in a day where social media is just everywhere because we like to think that things we do in private or semi-quasi-private are going to stay that way, and then they don't. Well, it was uh, Wendy's in Michigan, and they posted the clip on TikTok, which, oh, is, wow. which is a stupid app, by the way. <laughs> I mean, it's just a, it's a copycat version of, of Vine. But they posted it on t- TikTok, and he's got the caption under his video, almost got fired for this 
you know, yeah. explicit word. And he, he was just joking, and he said, this feels like being in a hot tub. And then another Wendy's employee throws him soap and says, wash your explicit word. And... That right there, man. You just never imagine. <laughs> what? Now, think about that, folks. When you're going and you're getting a nice, big, juicy, cheesy burger from Wendy's, somebody's bare hind end could have been in the sink from from the... <laughs> I don't even have any words for that. Boy, I hope your mother was so disappointed in you that she put you in the sink at the house. Well, they, well, he has since been fired. Thank you. He, I will go as far as saying that he needs to be prosecuted. I would say prosecuted. I'm going to say he probably needs a psyche valve because I don't know who in the world would want to jump up in a windy sink with their bare butt touching touching it. A kid. A stupid teenager. That's all there is to it. So I, it was just a kid being a kid. A stupid, a stupid teenager decision. So... <laughs> I, I don't want nothing crazy to happen to him, but he at least deserves to be fired. And uh, he does need to have a slap on the wrist for this yeah. because it is sabotage. I, could you imagine how mad you would be if that was your local Wendy's? Oh, I would be. I would be mad. I'd be big mad. Big mad. Big mad. Not Big Mac because I'd be heading over to McDonald's <laughs> from now on. Yeah. I'd be big mad. Yeah. So just be careful. You never know. It's just better probably to eat at home anyway. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for tuning in for another episode of Off the Cuff. Episode 300, it's a big one. I mean, it truly is a big one. And it's can't believe that it's here already. And we'll be back for episode 300. So make sure that you listen to all previous episodes of Off the Cuff by going to iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube. You can follow Off the Cuff at Off the Cuff with Adam Banks on Facebook, or you could follow me on Twitter or Instagram at The Adam Banks, or you could follow Amber on Instagram at Ambu447. And don't forget, you can always catch Adam. Yes, you can. ABC 36, Midday Kentucky, 1230, Mondays and Tuesdays. Thank you for that. And he's always got some nice outfits. <laughs> Best dressed man. Best dressed man in Lexington. Yes. Thank you. It's it's always fun doing that show, too. Yeah, if you want to know what I look like, go to ABC 36 1230. You, you will hear the man behind the mic. <laughs> You're a good man behind the mic. Thank you. Well, Amber, you ready to put episode 300 to bed and look forward to episode 301? We put 300 good ones out there to the stratosphere, so. We did. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Adam Banks. That is Amber Turner, and this is Off the Cuff, episode 300. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next Thursday from 4 to 5. We'll catch you down the road.